beginning again is a, a meditation practice. I think in the, the Zen they have this phrase, beginner's mind, which is really a, an important perspective, the sense of always beginning again um, rather than getting really experienced and <coughs> feeling that we're having to attain something. Uh, just taking the attitude more of being a beginner, however long we've been doing the practice. Because it allows the mind to, to be fresh, it allows us to engage with a sense of curiosity which is or interest that is uh, helpful for the practice. So, it's, we're into our third day, beginning our third day, and it might feel like, oh my God, <laughs> only three days, <laughs> another eon to go, or maybe it's, oh God, that's gone so quickly, where did it go? So however it is for us, just we just... Uh, recognize the perception of time is just that really. In a way it's always just now, it's only ever now. And we have these perceptions that we project, and the feeling of it being a long time and dragging or feeling of it going quickly. But usually often the first few days of a retreat someone um, reminded me recently that perhaps the first few days of a retreat you get to know what the Buddhist hell realms are like. <laughs> Not that we really have to believe in hell realms as such, but they can be, there's something very challenging about this stopping. Yeah. In some ways at first we can feel really peaceful, we just stop and we can feel that sense of relief as we unhook from the momentum of our lives and have permission just to to be calm, to be quiet. But then when we realize our own internal momentum or the different states of mind that can come up, then then it can really feel very challenging. But what's important to recognize, and then when we can when we if we are feeling very challenged and feel, oh my God, this is a long time just to recognize that how the mind works, it tends to take the perception, create a perception based upon what we're experiencing now and project it into the future as if it's always going to be like this. Particularly if it's a difficult experience. That's why it's called hell, because it feels eternal. But it's actually something that the mind creates from the experience here and now. And it feels, oh, I'm always going to be struggling or I'm always going to be... a hopeless meditator, <laughs> I'm always going to be depressed or bored. Or, you know, but what one can have confidence in is that things do change and it's very likely that it won't always be the worst moment that we've experienced forever, that it will change and, and uh, you know, shift. And generally speaking, it will be easier as we get more adapted to to the rhythm of the retreat. So again, one can't really emphasize enough this attitude of just being very patient. 
which isn't the patience that's sort of waiting for it to change. But uh, like Tao, our monastic teacher, one of our monastic teachers, Ajahn Sumedha, used to talk about the quality of patience and connecting it with this bodhisattva heart, the heart that's able to be with all the different beings, internal beings, firstly, all the different inner voices, the complaining ones, the irritable ones, the longing ones, the resistant ones, the guilty ones, the driven ones, the resi- you know, bored, the happy, the unhappy voices, feelings. He said these are living beings, not just living beings out there that we're trying to help, but these are our living beings. And he talked about patience as having all the time in the world just to be with this parade of inner voices and guests that come and visit us, the endless parade of visitors tugging at our attention. So there's all the time in the world just to be with how it is now. We work, we work from that base, not from an ideal base of how we should be. I remember one of the um, teachings of Ajahn Chah was when another one of the, our friends, Ajahn Menindo, um, when he was in hospital, having a knee surgery in Bangkok as a young monk. He was a, a disciple of Ajahn Chah and he had ordained. And he was in a lot of pain and he had his knees in plaster and he was very upset because he felt, well, he won't be able to cross his legs again because he had this major knee surgery. And for a monk, that's a bit of a disaster because you, <laughs> your whole profession is sitting and meditating. So he was in hospital feeling really, really sorry for himself. And Ajahn Chah came to visit him. And he leaned over the bed and said, well, how are you doing, Melinda? And he said, oh, you know, Ajahn Chah, it shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be like this. And Ajahn Chah said, well, if it shouldn't be like this, it wouldn't be like this. If it shouldn't be this way, it wouldn't be this way. So it's not to say we shouldn't try and change things, but in, in, the medita- in the art of contemplation, we're learning to, first of all, be with the actuality. As Kittisara finished his talk last night, bearing the reality of what it is to be human. And so often we project an ideal onto our being human, onto ourselves, onto our body. And then not only do we project an ideal about how wonderful we should be, and then it's hard to experience ourselves when we feel really irritable and not such a nice person. That's why we're very silent on retreats. <laughs> so we, can, we, get, we, don't, we can be as with our irritability without having to, you know, contact anyone else or have to be nice, <laughs> pretend we're ever so nice. <laughs> you can be nice all year, and then on retreat you don't have to be that nice. You can be just what, with what you're feeling. So we project this ideal personality, but then we have these spiritual ideas and we project the ideal spiritual person who's not only nice, but is enlightened and wise and compassionate. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a real, it's a real um, tyranny, actually. So, you know, it's, we're not working with ideals of how we should be, but we're working with the reality of what are we working with? Okay, I'm working with a body that's like this, that has these aches and pains, this kind of energy. I'm working with a mind that's like this, it's kind of 
grumpy or scattered or resistant. And working with the, you know, thought process that just bounce off the walls. Or maybe I'm working with a very peaceful state. So we, so this constant, this patience, another way of saying it, another way of saying it and another way that we were trained in the monastery is to keep reflecting again and again with the phrase, this is how it is. This is how it is. It's like this. The, the weather's like this. The body's like this. The feelings are like this. And this becomes then our base for working. We work with how it is, not how it should be. So the, today, we're, <clears throat> again, we're, we're taking the opportunity today to continue cultivating this gatheredness, this gathering, this samasamadhi, moments of just placing attention here and now. If you look on this sheet, the first, the, the, the third little paragraph down, where they, they have the Pali words there, this is quite an important principle, and I've put it here at the beginning of the page. This is really just the map of a little bit of what we've been doing and places we've been touching into. And this, this first phrase, maka hattakilesa wa pata upati tammatang, those two phrases in Pali are very important as an underlying perspective or template. So I just want to talk a little bit about what those phrases mean because it really, it really supports this idea of working with where we're at and a patient unfolding. Maga, meaning path, hatta, means to break up. Kilesa is, or kilesawa means that which obstructs or that which hinders, or hinders our capacity to be here. Classically, the five hindrances, which we'll reflect on in due course, but the momentum of the mind that's always moving out to the next thing or caught up in aversion or dull or restless or caught up in anxiety and worry, doubt. That which obstructs our ability to be deeply rooted in the quality of presence, awareness, uh, filled, as last, was said last night in the talk, by this uh, experience of samasamadhi, filled with a whole body-mind, filled with this awareness, suffused with well-being. Our natural state, well, mostly we don't experience that because we feel driven by that which obstructs the natural state of heart. So the path, the path activity, so if we feel like, well, I've got to get rid of all the things that are obstructing me, I've got to do this, I've got to be awakened. If we come from that perspective, it can feel really onerous, it can feel really heavy, it can really feel a burden. I've got to meditate. Even the idea I've got to meditate can become <laughs> become a huge project and undertaking. So this, this, if we come from the view of I'm doing it, then already we establish a sense of, of struggle. You know, the, the very premise that we're operating from becomes a premise that is that is in that has the feeling of I've got somehow got to be in control of the outcome of this process. I've got to control the mind. I've got to gather. I've got to focus. Um, and the very eye that we're working with is so fickle. 
you know, because one moment the eye really wants to do this, and the next minute the eye is bailing out and thinking about, you know, why didn't I just go to the beach for a few weeks, you know, <laughs> or why, why didn't I stay at home? And then the next minute the eye is thinking, well, no, I want to forever live in an ashram or a monastery and do this, you know, for the rest of my life. And then the next moment the eye thinks, no, I can't bear it. I should go and, you know, it's a waste of time. So, so to base our whole premise for practice upon the sense of I'm doing this, um, is a bit of a slippery base. So what this suggesting is that the, the, the path, what, what we can do, and what we recognize, it's not I that's going to bring about the fruition of the way. In the, and in this particular focus, the, the, the fruit of samadhi, of gatheredness, it's the, the application of path activity that does it. It's the path that does it. So what we can do, we can do path activity. And we can only, and you know, if we think about it, then we start creating a huge project about how I'm going to be the best meditator and I'm going to go home and sit and do this and do that. And we create a whole plan and we already have moved away from the essence of what path activity is because path activity can only ever happen in the now. You know, it's not about projecting into the future the ideal meditation situation, but it's actually remembering now. You know, this is the moment that we apply. And in this particular cultivation of the path, the path activity, the training is just to gently apply moments of attentiveness. This moment to be with the breath, this moment to be with body sensation, this moment to gather into the fulcrum of awareness, the feeling, the momentum of the mental energies, body sensation. And then upon that we allow the accumulation of moments of path activity to, to in, in this second line, pata upati, tamatang. Pata means the fruit or the, that, the, you know, the, the result Upati means to arise, dhammatang is this lovely word, means according to the dharma, or according to nature, according to the lawfulness of its own unfolding. So it's a bit like if we plant a seed in the garden, then our job would be to water it, to weed it, to... You know, but we can't grow it. We can't pull up the flower. We can't sort of pull out the petals. You know, <laughs> we destroy it. You know, there's something that's happening organically. There's something that's happening naturally. And this, and this is really important to remember in our, in our practice. That it's not up to us to grow the plant of our own awakening. It's something that's happening already. It's already happening. Probably it's happening in spite of our, all our best efforts to try and make it happen, <laughs> to try and control it and push it along. You know, actually, so so this encouragement to to really uh, you know, to to relax in it, the process, to enjoy the process, to be gentle in the process, and and to remember it's actually quite subtle and simple. Just this moment, coming back this moment and a letting the path isn't a path 
to somewhere in time and space, but it's really a path that's deepening our capacity to be here, to be more fully present, present not only mindful, but heartful, bodyful, present to however much of our experience we can be present to. So we've been looking a little bit further down the page. We've been looking at the supports for this cultivation of being here. The the viveka, the withdrawing attention by directing these five jhana factors, directing, using thought to direct attention, using this gentle thought, how is it now? And coming into relationship with how it is now. Or the mantra, buddho, or let go, or a word you might use yourself to bring us into relationship, what's happening here within this body-mind. And then the wichara, the second jhana factor, staying connected with. It literally has the sense almost of like savoring, so it's not just like, directing attention in a, in a, uh, it's not being a technician in that we just, you know, bring attention to sensation, to breath in a sort of clinical way, just as an observer, which is one definition of mindfulness that we, we sort of, but there's also, that's the, as, as I think Kitty Sarah said, that's the yang movement of, of you know, and we can, sometimes we can use will. It's not that we always need to just be soft and open. Sometimes some energy, some strength can be helpful. Though as a long-term only strategy, it's a bit like just, you know, not only having one gear, not having any flexibility to move through the gearbox. So sometimes being able to to gather back attention in a gentle way, sometimes in a firmer way. But if we're just bringing attention without the vichara, then it's just, it's, it's, it doesn't begin to connect with the, these deeper, uh, more subtle jhana factors where we begin to, to taste a sense of internal well-being, what's called the suffusion of the subtle energy, chi or the prana through the body, through the heart, through the mind, where there's a unification. So the bringing attention and then this vichara staying connected, but almost savoring, tasting. Like, what does it feel like? What is the sense, even a painful sensation? Just staying there, receiving, receiving, receiving the sensation, receiving the breath, feeling with the breath. Being interested, this third factor, pity, is on the next page that we've been looking at. Priti in Sanskrit. You know, it sounds like I, I actually really can't stand the word rapture because it has this <laughs> this connotation of <laughs> of you know the sort of fundamentalist Christian where you everyone goes up into some cloud and smoke of rapture. So it's been spoilt for me that word. I, I can't really use it, but and it, and it sounds like. You know, one has to be in some ecstatic state, but pity can be very subtle. The sense of 
pleasure, um, even with a painful sensation, it's not so much the sen- making the sensation painful or pleasant, but it's the quality of fullness of interest that creates and generates the sense of a pleasing abiding. It's like when we really, what's suffering is when the mind is dispersed, wandering, it has this sense of agitation, but as we bring more and more of, of our attentiveness here to how it is, there can be this sense of being filled, not so much with a sensation, but be filled with that quality of, of awareness, attentiveness or interest, which in and of itself has a pleasurable aspect, an energizing aspect, a healing aspect, it begins to allow us to, to receive the body and to allow awareness, the quality of awareness, to bring things into harmony. And the fourth factor, sukha, implies a sense of ease, relaxation, kindliness, non-contention. And ikakata, in a way this is more the fruit, a sense of things congelling, a sense of, of unification. The mind doesn't want to wander anymore, it's happy here, happy within the body. The body is filled with the mind, so the body starts to fill an easeful place rather than this uncomfortable, lumpy, tense. The feeling, the heart begins to feel happy, full. Can can be sensitive to the world around us, can enjoy the rain, can enjoy uh, the blooms, the flower, can be interested in the obstruction. So this we all have moments of that and then we lose it. You know, we all have moments when there's a feeling, often when we're not trying, often when we might just be there listening to the rain or eating, when we're not trying to be the meditator, when we're just walking, not getting anywhere. There's moments of feeling that sense of here, just here, simply here. And then we get, we all of us, we lose it, we get washed away, we get overwhelmed, we get upset, you get negative, and that's a different kind of work or experience. So then lastly this morning, I just want to bring our, our attention to another piece that w- that's been talked about, that Kilisara talked about yesterday morning, which I think is quite important to highlight again, so we get a familiarity with that template, which is on the, on, um, where it says the three streams of energy below the jhana factors. The samadhi practice works with three streams of energy. So this, this three streams of energy, what's called the Sankara, Kaya Sankara, Jita Sankara, Wajji Sankara. And in a way, one feels reluctant to, to put things in templates and words and lists because there's a certain way that then we become <laughs> you know, overly worried about have we got all the pieces 
together and am I doing this or am I doing that? It kind of stimulates this, this mind where we start to think about it rather than do it. But so if we can just hold the map um, and some of the pointers to the practice a little lightly rather than getting too obsessive about it. But this is, this is a helpful framework in a way we could put the sense of our energy, our energy body, our experience of ourselves into these three areas. What's called kaya, which means not only the external sense of the body, but the internal sense of the body. You know, the, the feeling tone, the pressure, the heat, um, the breath body, the vibratory element, the feeling of movement. Sankara, we'll come to that later because it's a very it's a very interesting word and it has many layers of meaning, but it's sort of it kind of means shape or pattern, form, conditioning. So the, the body, we're working first of all with the body, the stream of energy that's our body. And the calming of the body, the healing of the body. In a way, another word for samadhi is, is the healing aspect of the path, that which heals and puts back together that which has been split. We work with the body with mindfulness of the breath. This is the primary meditation for energizing, healing, soothing, calming. Bring your attention to the in-breath, the out-breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, following the pathway of the breath. The second stream of energy called jitta sankara, the heart jitta being heart, mind. The the jitta is really the sense of being affected by the world, that which feels like me, basically, the little me inside that's, you know, sometimes feels confident, sometimes struggling, but is impacted by sense, the sensory experience of the world, impacted by the emergence of internal thought processes, feelings, memories upsets, longings, projects, all of that's held within the jitta, the mind, the heart. And this, to calm, to focus, to steady, to heal the heart, this, this, uh, <clears throat> the primary way of working is through this attitude of kindness, metta, kindness, patience, that we've been emphasizing, and this pity, this being interested this jhana factor of just savoring, being interested, filling the heart with contentment. So reducing the clinging of the heart, the aversions of the heart, seeing can I just practice a sense of contentment, kindness, patience here and now. So the heart can get filled with its own energy, with its own blessings, the jitta, with its own luminosity its own presence. And then the last, this is just touching briefly these <clears throat> three main areas, the last way we experience ourselves is through this stream of energy which, we, which is called the Wajji Sankara. Wajji meaning speech, but it also means subvocal speech, mental speech, inner dialogue, the internal dialogue that's constantly chattering away. Yeah about the world, about ourselves, commenting, judging, liking, disliking, going here, going there. And often in meditation this is perhaps 
one of the streams of energy that's particularly because many, much of our work <clears throat> and what we juggle involves holding complex mental processes. We have to think in sort of, you know, in holographic, <laughs> multi-dimensional ways, most of us, in what we do in our life. There's a, a lot of karma, there's a lot of residue from that, from the mental energy. So when we sit and we're not doing anything, the mind can just go crazy. <laughs> Just, it's still in that mode of planning, thinking, you know, um, sorting, fixing. You know, I can sit here and I have solutions for the whole planet, you know, but, you know, the planet doesn't care. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. I, I, you know, the karma for me, because I do do a lot of planning and thinking like that, is that my mind constantly goes into projects and ideas and fixing and sorting and, and it's totally exhausting. <laughs> Just go rattles on and on and on. So, so sometimes I just have to to just listen to it and not try not to feed it. But the the you know the one I mean there's many skillful means, but the one that we're working with at the moment, the primary one is this: use not to just try and push away thought, but take a thought like a mantra, use the mental energy, or take the thought like bring, you know like. I, I take a thought like, bring attention here and now. How is it here and now? And then I might talk to myself, well, how is that? What is that feeling? Rather than sort of commenting, well, it's because of this and that, and that person did this and that and the other, and, you know, and off I go. It's just like, well, how is that? And how is that? So it's g- gently speaking to, a, to myself in service of bringing attention here, investigating, being present with. As we practice today, continuing very simply just to cultivate this moment supported by this attitude of this is how it is now, attitude of gentleness, patience, but also commitment to train, to cultivate, to guide attention here and now, using thought, Using the inquiry, how is it now? Using the breath to calm, to steady, to unify the mental mind and body. We can, you know, although it's, you know, when we talk about it, it, it can really begin to sound quite complex, and it really is actually just a way of talking about it. The reality is, in some ways, it's very simple. The activity of the path, and you know, for us, as human beings, we don't have to, we can't do it all, we can't sort it out, we can't make ourselves more in, awake or enlightened than we are, we can't heal ourselves more than the organic process is doing. 
well, we can, uh, you know, do all sorts of things to heal ourselves, but in this work, in this contemplative work, we're trusting that the path, that the Dharma, we're trusting the Dharma, we're allowing the Dharma to work, to bring to fullness our potentiality. So our job, you know, is just to gently help quicken the process by applying this moments of path activity, moments of just being here, moments of attentiveness, moments with the breath, moments of just noticing when we get lost. And any moment that beginner's mind, how is it now? Coming back, always starting again, nowhere to go, nothing to attain. How is it now? Kindly, again, establishing kindness, gentleness, presence of mind. All I have to do is be with one breath. This moment, this sound, this feeling, here and now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.